This morning we're carrying on our, our, our look at discipleship. And I think, I think for this church, this is probably the, the bit where we're probably most effective at, is the, the sending out, the going out into the community and blessing those people in Jesus' name. That part of our, our view of the churches is um, reaching out with God's love. And that we might see our community transformed by the love of God through our service, through our evangelism, through our lives, through the sacrifice that we make for the kingdom of God. Because there's no doubt about it, being a Christian, especially being here Sunday morning when you have so many other things to do, is a sacrifice, isn't it? You know, absolutely. (laughs) We make a sacrifice because we believe that when we gather here and worship, things can change and transform, can't they? I'm here because I believe that God can do the miraculous and make a difference. I believe that God can move within his body here, the church, and can bring transformation. I don't believe that. There's no point in being here, is there? Because I believe when we encounter that presence of God, the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God, he equips us and sends us out to represent Jesus in the world. And when we go out there, people should meet Jesus in us as we live and act and move. If that's not happening, then, then we, can, we, we start to wonder why is the UK moving more away from Christ? Because the danger is they meet us, they meet religious people, and they don't meet people who are filled with the Holy Spirit and move in the authority and power of Jesus Christ. And so in Luke chapter 10, if you've got a Bible there in the pew, it's... Um, we should have a page number there somewhere. I don't, it doesn't have page numbers there. Oh, 1041, one, I found it. There we go. 1041, if you've got a pure Bible, it'll be on the screen as well. And it says, um, my, I don't know if my version is different. My screen's not plugged in here. It says, after, after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of, of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, Peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal those who are ill and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into the streets and say, Even the dust of your town we, we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell it will be greater, it will be more, it will be, I tell it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazan, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the heavens? No, you will go down to the Hades. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, 
rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and the Lord said, and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. That's exciting, isn't it? You know, we read before that in in, um, chapter 9, Jesus had sent out his 12 disciples and they went out on mission to different towns to, to share about Jesus, to talk about the, the kingdom of God is near, that come, God is coming, repent, turn from your sins, believe in him, trust in him. And they went there with power and authority because Jesus sent them out in his name. And they went with the ministry of Jesus. And they went into the towns and they, they raised the sick, they, they raised the dead, they healed the sick. The Holy Spirit was poured out. People repented. People turned to to Jesus and believed in his name. And the disciples came back rejoicing and said, Wow, we can't believe it. We did all these miraculous and incredible things. Can you believe that? We never expected that. We thought about going to towns and being rejected. But we can't believe the power of God actually moved. When we used the name of Jesus, there was transformed and change, and the atmosphere changed. And people believed and trusted in him. There was a supernatural witness We were doing the same things as you, Jesus. Can you believe it? (laughs) What you do, we were doing. That's amazing, isn't it? What, What Jesus was doing, they were doing. Now, I wonder when the, the Jesus sent out the 72 followers because they weren't the closest ones to him. They were around him. They were listening to him. They were following Jesus. They were believing Jesus. But they weren't part of his closest circle of disciples. But even so, he sends them out for this experience of mission. He sends them out before him. He's going to go to these towns. He's going to go there to do incredible things and to bless people and to heal and talk about the kingdom of God and to teach them. But he's sending out these disciples to prepare the way. And they go in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus. And they go with a portion and anointing of the Spirit of Jesus into these places. So there's two significant things there that are happening. When Jesus sends people out, when he sends the 72 out, and when he sends us out, he sends us out in, um, not in our own strength and not our own power. Praise God. Because it's really hard, isn't it? When you go and try and share faith with people and talk to people, when you, when you try and heal them, you're not too successful. <laughs> and you're, you're doing things and you're, you're really enthusiastic about God and to share with your work friends and your neighbours and people around you about, about who Jesus is, his power, his authority. Sometimes they just feel like a big flop, can't it? It's like, oh, nobody listens to me. Is God really doing anything here? I don't see any change, actually. I think I'm just going to give up. I've tried talking off people about Jesus now. I'm just going to give up because I'm just not seeing uh, the things that are happening here and, and going here. And, and that comes from an aspect of our own pride, maybe. And our own need to feel useful. That we're doing something significant for the kingdom of God. We're doing something for Jesus. We all want to feel that we're doing something for Jesus, don't we, in God? We all want to feel that we're doing something significant. We want to feel that we're of worth and and, and, it's, it, and it's making a difference. 
But like Jesus said, sometimes it feels like we're more, more like sheep amongst the wolves. <laughs> so Jesus tells us it's not going to be easy. Actually, you're going to be there, out there amongst people, talking about sharing faith, talking about God, doing miraculous things with people who are really looking at you want to eat you and want to eat you alive and do harm to you and are not going to accept you but reject you. So he tells them straight away, actually, most likely when you go places, you're going to be rejected. That's not a very good start, isn't it? Did they teach you that in evangelism courses? Oh, by the way, you know, when you go out there and you share about Jesus and you talk about Jesus, probably if you talk to 12 people, 11 people will tell you to get lost. No wonder people don't do it, isn't it? There's not very good odds, isn't it? If I tell you, leave here, go and talk to 12 people, but most likely 11 people might tell you to get lost. In fact, the 12 might tell you to get lost. Maybe we're the 13th who, who listens to you. So there's something about us as human beings, isn't there? There's only so many much rejection and people telling you to get lost before you, you sort of say, God, I can't do this anymore. God, I can't keep on being rejected. I can't keep on talking about you if it's always going to be people say no. And God says, do you know what? I'm expecting more people to say no than yes. Isn't that great? God said, I'm setting you up for failure. Isn't that? It's amazing. <laughs> so, you know when you go and talk to people about Jesus, God's expecting you to to fail. He's expecting that you'll be rejected. But he's also saying there's people out there that he's prepared People of peace who have been waiting for somebody like you to go to them and talk about Jesus. And so that's the exciting thing about being rejected. And people say no to you all the time. People say, no, you're a wacky Christian. No, that's nonsense. I don't believe in all that stuff. And, or I'm going to talk to you about the universe. How did the universe begin? I don't know. <laughs> all I know, I believe in God. God's amazing. I have a personal relationship with him. I don't know. Ask Martin. Maybe he'll tell you the universe began. But I don't, I don't, I don't know. Sorry, Martin. <laughs> and, and so God's saying, you know, you're going to go out there and you're going to talk about me and you're going to be rejected. Who's ever had that experience? 40 years of it, amen, yeah. <laughs> it a salesman. You know, that, that is our experience, isn't it? Is to go out there and to be rejected. What do we say? Praise God. We're doing the mission. God bless you. <laughs> so, actually, don't be discouraged when you've been rejected. Because God says you will be rejected. That's nice, isn't it? So you know that you can go out there and talk to lots of people about Jesus, and they're probably going to reject you. But in the excitement of all that rejection, you know that after that one person has told you get lost, that person has told you you're wacky, that person has told you oh, your Christians are all mad, oh, I don't believe in your Bible, I don't believe in this, you know, oh, what God is it anyway you're talking about, what's this, oh, how, how did the world come into being, you know, was it a big bang, was it this, and all these conversations, all these people you're going to meet who are going to ask you all these difficult questions. You're going to come to, you're going to go 11 people, 12 people, maybe 13 people, maybe 14 people. That 15 person is going to say, I've been waiting for you. I've been reading my Bible. I've been praying. I've been asking God to come and send me someone who will come and talk to me about 
Jesus Christ. I don't know why I'm thinking about Jesus. There's so many religions. There's so many other things, but there's something in my heart and mind that says, I need to know about this person, Jesus Christ. I've been reading the Bible. I don't quite understand it, but it doesn't put me off. I'm still, I'm still liking this. Can you talk to me about Jesus? Can you help me? Can't disciple? Can you disciple me? And you go, oh, I'm really busy. I've got to go to church. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? In the midst of rejection, God says there will be people of peace people who will welcome you into their homes in their lives that the spirit of God has prepared for you so God's prepared someone just for you but maybe you got a bit of a knock and lost your confidence a bit with all the rejection that you forgot you're supposed to be rejected until you find that person that God has prepared that personal peace that place where you can sit down and have a meal with somebody where you can have hospitality with them where you can talk about Jesus where you can share life together where you can teach them about Jesus Christ, the Bible, about the faith that's the exciting part isn't it? that's what Christianity is all about that we worship and we love God and we praise him and we glorify him but we go out there we find that person that God has prepared in that town, in that city, in that village, in our workplace, in our family, in the groups that we go to. And we find that person there who's that personal peace prepared by God. And we go, Hallelujah, thank you, God. Thank you. I'm going to take this opportunity and I'm going to show them your love. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do these things. So when Jesus sends out these 72, he sent them out for failure. But they come running back and said, Jesus, we had an amazing time. Yeah, we were rejected by lots of people. And we got kicked out of lots of homes and, and lots of towns and lots of places. But we found people who accepted us. We found people who believed in you. We found people who loved you. We found people who were sick and had faith and, and said, can you pray for us? And we prayed for them. We were healed. Can you believe it, Jesus? People were healed when we prayed for Isn't that exciting? That you find somebody is, is, who's sick and you, and you pray for them and, and, and God heals them. I mean, I pray for hundreds of people. I never see them healed, but I keep on praying. I don't give up. You know, I hope they get a thousand person, they'll be healed. Why should I give up? You know, because God says they're going to heal them. You know, maybe God's got that person prepared. There's a thousand person I pray for who will be healed. I remember I used to stand out in the streets and pray for people and say, do you want healing? Do you want God to heal you? And lots of people used to come. We used to pray for them, never seen healing. And then after about a year, we saw one person healed. It's like amazing, but it took a year to see somebody healed and, and touched by God. If we'd given up after three people, God heal them, nothing. God heal them, nothing. God heal them, nothing. I'm never praying for somebody to be healed again. That's it. I've had enough. Oh, God just doesn't do anything. That's just not, that's not the way to live, is it? But God says, keep praying, Gary, because I'm going to bring that person along and you're going to pray for them and I'm going to do the miraculous at that moment and testify and witness how good I am. Because it's not about you, Gary. It's about my glory, my purpose, my will. 
And when we go out there and we, when Jesus sends us out, because we're just like these 72 disciples, these 70 disciples, when Jesus sends us out and we go from this place, we don't go on our own strength and we don't go on our own authority. Jesus sends his disciples out in the authority that belongs to him that comes from his, his Father in heaven. He says, I send you out in the authority that has been given to me. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, hasn't it? All authority in heaven and earth is given to Jesus. So there's somebody, there's somebody in the world who has no authority and power. And that's the enemy, isn't it? That's the devil. That's sickness. That's disease. It has no power. But we give it power because we believe it's stronger in God at times. But God is stronger. God is more powerful. God can do incredible things. But it's for his glory and his honor and his time and his mission and his purpose. And so when we go out there, you know, most of the time we're going to fail. But when we go out there and we say, Jesus, I'm under your authority, your power. I'm going out in your name. And I'm going out there to do your mission. Because do you know what the disciples did when they went into these towns and villages? They did exactly what they saw Jesus doing. <laughs> they didn't make up their own plan, their own purpose, their own thing and say, this is what we're going to do as a 70. This is a 70 plan. They said, no. We saw Jesus heal the sick, raise the dead, set the captives free, bind the hurting, bring people to repentance, bring people to renewal, people bring people into relationship with God. Do you know what? I'm going to, we're going to do that. Let's just go and do that. That's a good plan, isn't it? So what should our plan be? Go in the authority and the power in the name of Jesus and do what Jesus did. And what did Jesus do? <laughs> it sounds incredible, doesn't it? It sounds amazing, but that's the power and authority in the, that we go, we go in the name of Jesus to do what Jesus did. And so when we go on mission and we go into our towns and our families and relationships, we go to do the things that Jesus did. And we go to live like Jesus amongst our friendships, our communities, our workplaces to bring transformation and change. And the power that we do that, and it's not our own power, we don't have any power to do anything, do you know that? But the power comes from the Holy Spirit. And that's why we want the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we say, Holy Spirit, we want you here. We want you to fill this place. We want you to fill this atmosphere because we want to be filled by you, equipped by you to go out and serve you and do your will that we might live like Jesus in the world out there. Remember, there's a, you may have heard the story, ever heard the story of Jackie Pullinger? She was 22 years old and she it was 1962 and she, went, she felt called by God to be a missionary and to go overseas and to serve God there. And, and she'd had, she had dreams and she had a vision that God was calling her to go far away, to go to a different place. She had words said over her. But every time she tried to go on a mission field, every, every organization she went to, she was, she was rejected. 
And finally she went to her vicar and she said, Vicar, what should I do? I really feel God's called me to do this. And he said, well, just buy a one-way ticket to somewhere as far as possible. I don't think he liked her very much. <laughs> He'd probably get annoyed by that. Just buy a one-way ticket as far away as you can. And God said, well, that's a good idea. I don't have any money. I don't have anything to offer. There's nothing I can do. But if God's called me to go somewhere and do something in his name, and I don't have any money, I don't have a purse, I don't have anything, just like Jesus was calling his disciples, go there and don't take anything with you. That's even scary, isn't it? You, know, you don't rely on your own resources, your own money, your own gifting, your own things that you can take. You rely on God and everything from God because the other things that you have are just a distraction from God, aren't they? And God calls them when you go on mission, you've got to focus on God. God, you will provide. God, you will make it happen. God, you will make the way. God, you will open the doors. God, you will transform. God, you will heal. God, you will bring people to faith. Because we can't convince anybody to come to faith, can we? It's only the Holy Spirit coming and bringing them to faith that will make the difference. All we can do is plant the seeds in water and trust God that will give the growth because it's God that gives the growth. And God says, I do everything. It's my mission, my purpose. Rely on me. I will give you every resource to do it. And so he sends his disciples out with nothing. And Jackie Pullinger, she goes out with nothing. And she ends up in Hong Kong. And she ends up in the worst part of Hong Kong for some reason I don't understand. And she ends up this place called the Walled City, which is big run-down shanty town of a city. With houses stacked upon houses. And she starts to she just starts to wander around the city and she sees people in drug addicted, people broken, people in prostitution, people with disease, people with mental pro mental health problems, people just just the disaster of life all around her, as bad as life could be, she was in the middle of that. And she went around telling people about Jesus. Do you know about Jesus? Do you know about Jesus? Do you know about Jesus? And, and everywhere she went, she didn't really have a, much of a response because, you know, she was, and she was saying to God, God, what's going on? You brought me to Hong Kong. You brought me to this walled city. There's real need here. There's real poverty. There's real heart and pain. I'm going to tell people about Jesus, but there's no response. God, why did you bring me here when the people aren't responding? Why am I here in this walled city? Why am I here? Do you find yourself sometimes saying that? Why am I here? God, why have you brought me to this situation? Why am I in this place? What am I doing now? God, why am I here? And she's crying out to God, why am I here? And then God says to her, yeah, it's nice that you're going around talking about me, but why don't you show people me? And so then, therefore, she went and she saw the drug addict on the street and she took the drug addict off the street and she brought them to their, her home and she helped them get off drugs. Many times she just prayed over them and they were released from their drug addiction. She didn't have a rehab center that time. She just had the Holy Spirit. So she took the Holy Spirit and prayed over them, be released from addiction in Jesus' name. And they were released from addiction in Jesus' name. Amen. That's a powerful name, Jesus, isn't it? They were released and set free. The prostitute, she started to take them in her home. The children, she started to take them home. And she started to, to meet their needs. She started to say, how can I help you? How can I feed you? But let me tell you, I'm doing these things for you, but you need to hear about Jesus Christ because he's the answer to everything. Because I can help you, I can do practical things for you, but it's not going to solve your long-term problems. I want to tell you about Jesus Christ. And supernaturally and powerfully in the midst of that walled city, she started to transform thousands and thousands of lives in the name and the power of Jesus as she lived a disciple. There's someone who went there and saw a need and said, I'm going to lay hands on that person, I'm going to pray for them, I'm going to get this person out of the gutter, and I'm going to tell them about Jesus. 
Isn't that amazing? To be standing in England, 1962, and God saying, you've got no resources, no money, but I'm sending you somewhere where transformation is going to happen. How many of you just say to that, oh no, it's just in my head. <laughs> God, that can't be true. God, you can't be, be calling me to do that. But even Paul in Acts chapter 16, Paul has a, a vision and he he, the doors are closed to him all around. He wants to go to this place and he wants to go to this place and that place, but the Holy Spirit is saying, no, Paul, that's not where I want you to go. And Paul's saying, it's really frustrating, God. I, I really want to go places and give your word. And, go. and God says, no, the door's not opened. And he found lots of doors closed. Isn't it? We don't think Apostle Paul having doors closed to him and being a bit frustrated, saying, God, why am I here? Where do you want me to go? Where's next? And then he had a, he had a vision of a man from... Macedonia who was coming saying come and help us and he said that's where God's calling us to be and Paul he set off to Macedonia on the basis of a vision that's madness isn't it <laughs> if somebody came to church today and said Gary God's given me a vision to go to the other side of the world I go hmm have you prayed about it? Have you thought about it? Have you, have you considered it? Do you have the money? Do you have the resource? Do you have the support? There's so many things in our mind we think you've got to do before you go to the other side of the world. But Paul just said, no, I had this vision. I've got to go because God's opened the doors. The doors are closed elsewhere, but God says, go here. This vision is clear. This is what God said to me. I've got to go here and do this. And he goes and he starts, goes to, it goes to a place, um, 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 this, this Philippi, I think, isn't it? And he, he meets a, a, a lady called Lydia. He goes to Philippi and he goes to synagogues and he's preaching. And then all of a sudden he finds these group of people at a river. Just a group of people at a river. And he sees there are a group of Jewish women and, and probably mixed in different things. And he sees them praying. And he goes and joins them. And he discovers a group of people of peace. And he said, you know, I've got the synagogue there. I've got all these Jewish men there. I've got all these things that I could be going and doing God's ministry there. But God's opened up the opportunity to this small group of women at the river. And he went down there and he became the rabbi and started to teach them and lead them to faith and an understanding of Jesus. Just God opened up that up. He was led to Macedonia, led to that place to sit with a small group of women at a river and tell them about Jesus and to build his church. Isn't that incredible? And we've all got people of peace. A person of peace might be that annoying person who always phones you up or, or comes around you and says, can we do this, can we do that, can we do this? You know, it might be that person you think, oh, God, why them again? But that might be the person that God's put in your path. It might be somebody you meet at work who's kind of asking you questions about Jesus or Christianity. Do you go to church? What do you do that? It may be somebody, maybe a neighbor, it may be a friend, it may be a group. But all around us, there's opportunities, there's people of peace. People that God has placed, put in place for you to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can you think of people of peace now? 
Can you think of conversations you've had and maybe just let them go rather than saying, can I explore this deeper? Can I lead this person to a fuller fuller understanding of Christ? There's nothing more exciting than when somebody starts to ask you about Jesus. If you're in your workplace, you're with friends and they ask you about, then somebody asks you about church, that might be your personal peace. That may be the person you call to say, let's have a coffee. Can I share about Jesus with you? Would you like to know more about, could we read the Bible together? Could we talk about faith? Can I pray for you over your circumstances and your difficulties? Is that hard? Is that difficult? It's called being a human being, isn't it? That's what God calls us to do. The simplicity of discipleship is to find those people of peace, those people who will be open to us, those people who will be willing to talk to us and pray with us and read the Bible with us and to to develop that and build it. You imagine each one of us in this church had a personal peace that we started to explore with and read the Bible with and explore. Imagine if each each small group decided to find a a personal peace each in that small group. You'd have to half your small group within a few weeks, wouldn't you? You would need to divide it up and, and start a new small group. You see, the problem is, I think, is as Christians, and more and more, I think, in the church, is in the danger that we become to church and we come before God and say, God, do something in me and do something for me. You know, I think more and more as Christians, the attitude is that we're coming to church to say, God, do something in me and do something for me. And God does want to do things in us and he wants to do things for us. But I think that that is more the exception than the rule. Do you know what I think God says? God says, I want to do something through you, Gary. I want to do something through you, congregation. I want to do something through you. And he did something through his disciples, incredible. And when he did it through them, he came back rejoicing, isn't it? So God says, are you willing today to allow me to do something through you? Are you willing to go and live under the authority of my name and the power, move in the power of my spirit and do my ministry and not do your own thing and to start to live like Jesus in the world around you, which is to disciple people and to find those people who are open to the kingdom of God and tell them the kingdom of God's coming near. You need to know about this person, Jesus. You just got to be like, sorry, you just got to say, look, kingdom of God's coming. God's come, you need to know Jesus. I'm sorry, but I've got to tell you about this. I've got to share this with you. Are you ready for it? But it's not easy. It's difficult, and you are going to be rejected. But when you find that person who receives what you've got to say, whom the Holy Spirit has prepared for you and moving upon, and they accept Jesus, you're going to come back running this church and exciting. You're going to come and give testimony here, and you're going to say, do you know what? I went and shared my faith with Jesus about someday and accepted Jesus in my life. Isn't that incredible? Isn't the most experienced, wonderful thing? I, I met this person, and they were sick, and I prayed for them, and they were healed. Can you believe it? That, that's incredible. And that's the joy and the excitement of the Christian life we were called to live. It's a challenging but exciting life. I call to allow God to work through you that you might see incredible things happen and to do the ministry of Jesus. That's what you're called to in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's pray.
Father God, we just thank you for your incredible presence, your incredible wisdom, your love for us. Lord, help us to live like Jesus, Lord. Lord, it might not make that into a catchphrase or, or a symbol for, 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 for service or all the things like that. But Lord, as we live like Jesus, may we go from our, our towns and our cities and our neighborhoods and our workplaces and our friendship bases, Lord, and may we look for those opportunities to talk about the kingdom of God is near. Jesus has come back. Judgment is coming. And you need to know about this person called Jesus because he's life and life in the full. He's salvation. He can transform your needs, your hearts and your pains. He can turn your life around. So, Father, give us that understanding, Lord, that to live like Jesus is to be like Jesus in our world. And give us the authority that Jesus has, Lord, because Jesus shares that authority with us. He sends us out as a church here in his authority and his power. So we claim that authority in Jesus' name. I claim that authority over every person's life here now in Jesus' name, that you will go from this place in the authority of Jesus and that you will go in the power of the Holy Spirit, equipped and empowered to share your life and to talk about your love for Jesus. May you find blessing. May you find opportunities. May you find hope and rejection. And when you find that person of peace that God has prepared for you, may that be fruitful and a blessing to you and that you will find the excitement of discipleship in life in Jesus' name. Amen.